You know, Bridgeway has to be more than just hearing me speak a lot. I get bored hearing myself. I can't imagine what some of you must deal with sometimes. But what never gets old is hearing other people's stories. And everybody in here has a story. Remember eight weeks ago when I gave an altar call, if you're dealing with addictions, I want this to be a place that welcomes you and helps you, helps us. Uh, Last week, I got to meet two young women from out of town with Jessica's same name, and uh, they told the story of what God was doing, getting them whole, bringing them out of addiction. And I said, you need to meet our children's pastor with the exact same name. And it's interesting, Jess just happened to bump into them and get to pray over them. What happens is, when you find someone that God is, is bringing and has brought out of brokenness, it inspires you that His grace is big enough for you. Um, we all need a Savior every single day. I want to tell you some good stuff uh, that we got, have available for you to help you just throughout the week. There's a podcast now uh, called Coach and Joe Podcast. You can get it on iTunes. And why are we doing this? Uh, just on a word of knowledge, about four months ago, and after I began this, why is it called Coach and Joe, by the way? A lot of people uh, call me Coach. I don't know why that is. And Joe Reynolds, who moved here, calls me that all the time. I got a word of knowledge over a professional basketball, ex-basketball player in Pennsylvania. He said, you're more like a coach than a pastor. Anyway, this got prophesied into existence. It's about a 25-minute podcast a couple of times a week that is what I'm currently learning from the Father and leading the staff through. It's another way to stay connected than than perhaps just one day a week. And uh, there's there's grace on this. We're, We're getting contacted by a lot of people who are already listening to this podcast. Uh, last week, too, reminded me that I don't do a good enough job of talking about resources we have available because I asked someone that, that really encountered God at the altar, have you read my book? And they hadn't heard of it. I, I had a book that came out, I don't know, a few months ago. It's called Mama Jane's Secret, uh, Walking in Deep Friendship with God. If you want to know who this church is, who I am, and what it looks like to build true friendship with God, check it out. It's in the back. Anybody birthday today? Does anyone have a birthday? Well, then come on. Yeah, my last one. Come on. <laughs> hey, all you had to say is that I had one six months ago. There you go. Take them. That's good. You're welcome. Turn. <laughs> I love it. My grandmother played a significant role in my life, raising me. And she had a rose garden. Anybody here grow your own roses? Save a lot of money during Hallmark Valentine's season. You want to talk about a racket? Good Lord. Went to get my wife some roses in February. I was like, "Uh, I'll get her a daffodil. I'm not getting those roses. Two dozen, $194. And beside my grandmother's rose garden were these other bushes. I don't remember what they were, but they were so large that they served in my four-year-old imagination as my secret place, my hiding place. Anybody have that when you were growing up? It's just the place that you could go to that no one else was allowed. In my mind, it was Fort Knox. You couldn't get into it. What's funny is years later, I went back and I'm like, they must have trimmed them things down or that was, that was bigger than what, or smaller than what I remember. 
And I would go in there and I would just feel safe. I remember my grandfather had some of those, uh, I don't know what you call them, um, tremors, I guess, whatever. But I, I, I cut uh, a hole in the bushes and it was like a, like a Narnia. When Lucy goes through the back wall, it was my Narnia. And when I was there, it just felt right. It just felt safe. It felt at ease. It felt peaceful. Matter of fact, I went to counseling years ago, and a person asked me, who was giving me some counseling, what, what, when you think about the most peaceful time of your life, what do you think about? I thought about those bushes, and I, I can still smell them. It's that place where you just know everything's going to be all right. It's, it's the place where it just feels right. Jesus, is, he's, he calls himself the Prince of Peace. I learned from Steve Keys many years ago after one of his trips to Israel that he learned from his leader over there that basically the Bible can be summarized into this. Jesus stepped into chaos and brought shalom. That's the story. That's the story of the Bible. Jesus steps into chaos. Is it Romans 5.10? I don't know, Gary, if I gave you Romans 5.10. When we were at our worst... Yeah, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? When we were at our worst, when we were God's enemies, you can't get any more broken than outside of Christ. He stepped into your chaos before you were even born because you're from the seed of Adam. He stepped into your chaos and brought shalom. It may have been a little chaotic when that giant human was bringing you into the world and that doctor with the nurses and bright lights everywhere. I mean, we get off to a pretty rough start down here. Someone's pulling on you, yanking on you. They don't put any clothes on you. You're screaming. You don't know anybody. I mean, you think about it. If you can go back that early in your memory, that's a pretty safe place your first nine months cozy secret place and all of a sudden that changes people screaming at you you don't know what to do i don't even know what i'm talking about anymore because i'm this is the awful image i'm thinking about coming into the world and you're a mess you're a mess you come in post genesis 3 i, I laugh when people have a revelation that they're broken um without jesus i don't know how to tell you this you're, you're worse than broken. He, he stepped into brokenness and brought wholeness. Um, there's a place in God that you get to that not many go, and it really is a secret place. It's a secret place. It's, it's a place where contentment dwells. It's a place where peace dwells in the midst of chaos. Do you guys remember two weeks ago I, I gave a a prayer from stage psalm 91 that protect us i had my first car wreck this week in 20 something years the night before i had demonic dreams all night i woke up on tuesday morning of this week and i told i just something was off it was just off it just felt chaotic i don't know if you know this but the thief comes to steal kill and destroy he's not there to give you a bad day he's there to end you and it just fell off we're driving down woodruff road and I was talking to Sam that morning. He, he wants to get a job at a particular place. 
And I just said, Sam, just trust the Father. There's sometimes you have to lean into trust, even though when you feel chaotic. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we're talking about that and where he wants to work. I said, just trust the Father. We're on Woodruff Road, otherwise known as the Indianapolis 500. (laughs) If I had magical powers, that'd be one of them that when I'm on that road, I just hit a button and everyone disappears. (laughs) There's times on Woodruff Road, I question my existence. Never saw him coming. Boom! My back. Still sore. Hit me hard. Jarred my neck. Jarred Sam's neck. Uh, Shoulder. Ruthie's glasses flew off of her. Uh, Jack had whiplash. You see, if you're not careful, you will create an image in your mind that the secret place is void of chaos. The secret place resides in the middle of chaos. First thing I did, I saw the kids were okay. I thought, uh, I thought about Leah Giese, who's Roy's little girl who's battling. She's doing great, by the way. I got a, a text from him this morning, and, and it's just a miracle how what she's come to so far is what he was telling me. I thought about Leah. I was thankful that, you know what, even though I feel like I've just been in an NFL football game, I'm going to be fine. I feel like I played running back in a Panthers game. That's what it feels like. Anybody ever been rear-ended? You feel that way? It's like I'm Emmett Smith. I carried 32 times for 110 yards, and I'm in an ice bath for a week. Um, I got out, and I don't, I haven't always been this way. I wish I could tell you that I've been this way my whole life, but the truth is, it's taken years to learn how to remain in a secret place in the middle of chaos. I wish I could tell you that, uh, what well, you do, you go to seminary and then you finish your last class and you want to become a pastor and they hand you a shalom card. And <laughs> you get your shalom card and you walk around. Chad, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Went to heaven today. Everything's great. <laughs> you only learn secret place peace in chaos. A lot of you just says, God, please get me out of the season I'm in. He's actually trying to teach you something in the season. You can get to a place when you learn something that you just take it wherever you go. So Jesus stepped into chaos all the time and brought shalom. That's what he did. Well, isn't it interesting that he learned that shalom getting tempted in the desert for 40 days before he even began his ministry. It wasn't osmosis shalom given to Jesus. He learned it. He's been tried and tested like all of us. You can get to a place where you're not even aware of the storm that someone else is talking about. This is some pretty awesome stuff. Oh, God, get me out of this storm. No, I'm just going to teach you to sleep in it. And I'm not talking about apathy to where you don't care. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about boss status of being able to sleep in a storm that scares other people. I want to be the person that when everyone else is wigging out, I'm making everyone else nervous because they can smell his presence, feel his presence. So this young man that hit me, his name is Mike. And as soon as I knew my kids were okay, I didn't hear the father. I just muttered out loud, he hit the wrong guy. He picked the worst person, I'm being facetious, to hit. 
I got out of the car, and he thought I was going over there to fight him. I want to get him to church. I want to try to get him here. He encountered the love of the Father at that wreck scene. He did. I poured it on him. And it took him, you know, it took, caught him off guard. See, if, if Bridgeway is a place where we have to come here, and it's all about coming here, Bridgeway is a place we get filled up here. It's about out there. If you can't carry it out there, what's the point? What's the point? Then Joe Reynolds pulls up, and I'm like, this guy's in trouble. <laughs> Joe walks up and says, you hit the wrong guy today, bro. He said, you're going to be blessed now, pours it on him. When the cop came, because Mike was emotional, I think the cop thought we had been fighting. And uh, the cop... And then, you know, cops going to get it too. <laughs> when you carry shalom, then whoever's around you is going to get it. <laughs> but, and here's the bad part. When you carry chaos, everyone around you is going to get it. If you're not carrying peace, it's because you don't know him. I didn't say it's because you don't believe in him. The fruit of abiding is shalom. Oh, that's just so-and-so. They're just laid back. Maybe they're not laid back. You ever had a nervous breakdown? Don't give me that. Oh, that's just your natural realm personality. You're just like Jimmy Buffett in the natural. Really? So that's, that's that, really... Maybe when people are laid back, and by the way, I don't mean, I'm not talking about the college stage we go through. I ain't talking about that. You know, some of you college students are like, what is that substance Wendy's trying to sell? Wash clothes? What is that? I ain't talking about that. When I, when I dated Wendy, I remember one of the first times she came over to my apartment, she's like, when's the last time you washed your clothes? And I said, pardon, I couldn't hear you. What'd you say? I don't know. We used to throw our sheets away, me and my roommate, every Christmas and just get new sheets. <laughs> Don't sit there and judge me. <laughs> judge me. I know what you did when you were in college. It's a true story. We first started dating. She claimed mine and my college roommate's name, Blockhead. True story. He's a barbecue man. She cleaned her apartment for 10 hours. It was awful. Block was like, you need to date her. This is awesome. <laughs> I once did life with a young man that memorized Galatians, and he walked in addiction. You know a lot about God. If you don't carry shalom, something's wrong. If he's the prince of peace, where's your peace? How can I be grafted into the vine of God and not carry who he is? He's not just a person of competency that drops wisdom and nuggets. I have never in my life met anyone more peaceful i went to athens yesterday with my dad my brother my two sons went to the spring game it was just an outing perfect weather and it was just a great day and it's just a place that especially when you play against your own team same team plays you can't lose it's, you know it's a good day you just play against each other and i was sitting there it's like this is so peaceful 
That's what that secret place was for me. When I was between those bushes, it's just... The Bible talks about a peace that passes my ability to comprehend. Let's say your marriage is at the worst place it's ever been. Let's say your job's the worst place it's ever been. Let's say your life is in the worst place it's ever been. Does that give me a right to not carry shalom? Well, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't understand. I love one of my favorite passages is Simon. I don't think he was kidding. He's been dead serious. He said, Lord, do you not care if we die? That's a high level of either sarcasm or fact. That tells me the John boat motor not working, it's a worse storm than that. I can't get the motor to work. Hey, Lord, you not care if we die? That means they are taking buckets and hauling water off the boat. The question is, what is Dr. Shalom doing? He's asleep. What a hero. What an amazing person. See, Jesus' life is an example of what mine can be. He's not just the entry into an afterlife. He's an invitation of what my life can be. But you don't understand. My great-grandmother had a chemical imbalance, and her mom had a chemical imbalance, and my dad was a rageaholic, and my, I grew up my brother, and this is my paradigm, and we're just, we're just stressful people. We're just stressful people. And I have to have one of those massage balls, and I, I have something that I pick my foot when I drive, and I have to listen to music, and I have to have the perfect temperature on my face. And then I can have my quiet time with God. <laughs> what is that? It's a stress ball. You need a stress ball? I mean, th- th- think about this. There's a place in Jesus where you are fully aware of the warfare that everyone else is aware of. But it just doesn't get to you like it does them. Someone said to me back in the old building, we were there. There's been a witchcraft curse placed on you. And I said, I know that. The Father's already shown me. A lot of charismatics, what you do is I better get on Amazon.com. How do I retaliate against a witchcraft curse? That's pretty intense. What if you just prayed for the person that cursed you? Father, I just bless whoever's putting that curse against me. And may your goodness so overtake them that they get born again and filled with the Spirit within a year. How do you get to a place where this type of lifestyle is a reality? How do you, how do you get there? Without Zoloft and Clonopin. Because like, you know, chemicals can numb us. And that person's laid back. Well, no wonder. You'd be laid back too if you took that horse pill of whatever. Oh, nothing can get to me. No, I'm talking about being sober-minded peaceful. How do you get to a place of sober-minded peaceful? Without the need for a bowl of cheese. I confess that from time to time. (laughs) Nothing soothes me on this earth minus Jesus than a hot bowl of cheese. With those chipotle chips that are real thin and salty. Lord Jesus. They call it comfort food for a reason. If your comfort food is zucchini, you're tense and stressed, I promise you. 
I'm going, I'm going away for a few days soon with some friends. Josh Houston is sitting right there. And I promise you, this isn't even prophetic. This is just facts. I'm like, I promise you, we'll go off to the grocery store. And I know what we'll bring back as comfort food. There's things called comfort food. There's a place in God that is so comforting, it even elicits the same response. Even in the midst of everything around you falling apart. I had demonic dreams all night. Woke up. I don't have many demonic dreams. I felt like I was in warfare for 24 hours, and then I had the car wreck. But I didn't lose my peace. Man, I've been there, done that. You lose your peace. That's real fun, isn't it? To where someone says hello, and you say, leave me alone. How do you get to the place? How do you get to that secret place and stay there? Some of you have been through so much counseling. Wouldn't you like for once in your life to send the enemy to counseling because of what he's witnessing you go through? Do you know how you wear the enemy out? You wear him out with joy and peace. You wear the enemy out with peace. He can't stand it. The enemy loves some people. He can get them so stirred up. He can just kind of whisper one thing. You fall apart for a week. But then other people, he throws the kitchen sink. And inside your mind and your heart, all you're singing is he knows my name. And you mean it. You're not, you're not faking it until you make it. Until you're saying, Lord, I trust you. And you're sweating like you've been through a sauna. I trust you, Lord. I swear I do. I swear I do, God. Here's how you get there. You get revelation on this. Go to Proverbs. Um, is it two? For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Look at the word wisdom through the lens of Isaiah 11.2. Now watch this. This is some high-level ammunition against the enemy. So if you have a need, you need to sow a seed. And some of you need to sow the seed of revelation. Some of you, some, some of you, you need to, you got to do your part to ask the Father to give you understanding of what I'm talking about. When I, when I walked between the bushes at my grandmother's house, um, I, had, I had to enter that place. Jesus wasn't given a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card by God in terms of stress not being able to get to him. He sweated blood in the garden. But when he was asleep in the boat, he, he had to enter that place. There's a place in God that only you can enter and your spouse can't get you there. Your leader can't get you there. Church can't get you there. A guy like me can't get you there. At some point, you got to pick up your mat and go to that secret place. And it's right here. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That word wisdom, if you study it, it's the secrets of God given to you. And they rest on people who learn to enter the secret place of friendship with him. And you learn things about his nature that other people don't know. And you only share secrets with people that you trust. My nine-year-old is so funny. He owns me. Um, out of the three kids, he's the one that triggers me the most because he's most like me. And typically, whoever triggers you in your life is because you're looking in a mirror. There's been times that whew, just some bad stuff's come up in my heart over the years when Jack's done some of his things, but he owns me, and he's just, he's so much like me. Apple never falls too far. 
He came to me one morning. He goes, Dad, I want to share a secret with you. I thought, get the recorder out. This ought to be good. He said, uh, but you can't tell Mom. It's a secret between me and you. I'm thinking, dear Lord, what have you done? <laughs> he said, I snuck downstairs last night. And I drank some Coca-Cola. I'm thinking, I don't know where he gets that from. Confess your sins one to another. Jack, no big deal. I snuck downstairs last week and ate a bag of marshmallows. Might have chased it down with some jiffy. You know, you don't share secrets with anyone you don't trust unless you're a crazy person. Let me say that. You don't share secrets with someone that you don't trust. If you had a secret that if anyone found out, it would just cost you everything, you're not just going to be like, hey, remind me your name. (laughs) You're going to need to sit down. You're going to find someone that you can trust with your whole being. Can we put Isaiah 11-2 back up here? Look at this now. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's It's a coming of Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding shall rest on him. Who gave Jesus his wisdom? The Father. Go back to Proverbs 2. Where does wisdom come from? The Father. For the Lord gives wisdom. In that word wisdom is the idea of secrets of God himself. What if I told you there's a place in God? that other people will think you're just given some word of knowledge gift. You got baptized by Bob Jones before he went to heaven, and now you have a gift. What if I told you that this is relational wisdom to such a place of intimacy with God up on the mountain of God, Psalm 24, that you get to a place in God where he will tell you things and give you wisdom that he doesn't even tell other people. God loves everyone in this room, and God likes everyone in this room. He does not trust us all the same. And God has an amazing ability to discern who wants him just for him. God, this is my life message. I have no other message. You want God just for God? See, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has one objective in your life, get you grafted into Jesus. Jesus has one objective, to take you across the bridge into the Father's heart. See, a lot of people think Jesus is intended to take you into heaven. Jesus is intended to get heaven into you because heaven is the Father himself. The Father's bigger than heaven. The Father is heaven. Heaven's not a destination or a place. Heaven is him. It's the Father. I can't imagine a higher place of desire from, from humans than to connect intimately with God. A lot of people think, well, so-and-so walks in words of knowledge and, and prophecy. They may have a level of friendship built over time that God just reveals secrets to his closest friends. Dad, you can't tell anybody, but I drank Coke last night. God has tested me in the past three or four years. He'll tell me things and say, I don't want you to share that. 
And I made a mistake early on because I thought God would show me stuff and I'd be like, this is amazing. I just want people to know who he is. But he began to tell me things. He said, things that I share with you in private, there's some things that are just between me and you. If you lack peace, you got to go to the one who carries peace. And Hebrews 1 says that Jesus and the Father are identical twins. Mentally assenting to the idea of Jesus does not mean I'm connected to him. If I'm not carrying shalom, it's a guarantee I'm just not connected to shalom. It's possible to be on your deathbed, taking your last breath, and you're just talking to him. I asked him questions yesterday that mean nothing about anything. They were sports related. He answered me back. I thought, this is amazing. This is crazy. I know that you are drawn to God mostly for spectacular things. And let's just be honest, even for afterlife things, these things are important. When's the last time you've been drawn to him for the boring things? When's the last time you just asked him, Father, what's on your heart? And he told you. He will tell you secrets that aren't revolutionary. He will give you an unfair competitive advantage in raising your children. He will tell you their thought patterns that in the natural there is nothing, nothing that shows that's what they're thinking. A year and a half ago, the God of the universe told me and my wife something about what one of our children was going through. At the same day, the exact same thing. I would have no clue in the natural this was the case. Wouldn't you love to be in a place of shalom where the God of shalom gave you secrets? Do you know how unfair that is? That is so unfair. Who owns your own business in here? Would you like an unfair competitive advantage in leading your business? This is how unfair it is. Sam and I talked about with Wendy where he wanted to work. Ten minutes later, we have the wreck. The first person on the scene was the boss of the place where Sam wants to work. He says, I don't hire 15-year-olds, but I'll hire you. He said, well, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. People say, well, favor really just falls on this, just whatever mood God's in. No, how do you not know favor doesn't follow a 12-year track record of building friendship with the one who holds favor in his hands? There's an advantage to walking in friendship with God. He's the first person on the scene. Chad, are you okay? I hadn't seen you in forever. By the way, we were just talking about you. Or actually, we were just talking about a job Sam wants at your place. I need you to talk to him. Well, how does that happen? What, what if favor, what if the secrets of God, what if the downwind, the current of favor actually follows his closest friends? Ooh, this triggers spiritual orphans. <laughs> well, are you telling me? Yeah, I'm telling you exactly what you're hearing. <laughs> Think about this. You're building friendship with God. Do you know that trust is earned with God? 
Trust is not given. Trust is earned with God. When two people, when the four of us are walking together, me, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the Father, their level of trust in me is more than it was when I was a kid. It's more than it was even four years ago. You see, God can recognize your destiny, and he can see the Gideon warrior in you. Even when you're scared in a wine press, you still have to earn it. Jesse says, excuse me, Samuel says to Saul, he would have established your throne over, throne over Israel forever, but you messed up. Trust is, um, it's earned. What made David such an amazing leader when it came to his own peace and trust? Watch this, Psalm 23. You've seen it your whole life, but you may not have seen this. First five words. Think about that. It's the number one image of God and his people in all the Bible. Shepherd sheep. Shepherd sheep. The great ones see themselves as a sheep before anything else. You know what a sheep can bring to the table? Nothing. To me, there's nothing funnier than a sheep acting like a grizzly bear. When angels who are surrounding you are going, whoo, you're getting haughty. You might want to bah a little bit. Dad, I just want this job at so-and-so. Son, trust the shepherd. First person on the scene. What if faith is simply that? Just trust your shepherd. Well, I don't know what season's next and I'm falling apart. I don't know what season's next. It's because you don't know the shepherd. It's not complicated. How did David defeat Goliath. He's the smallest one. It's not out of competency. If you lean too much on your own competency, God will hand you your giants in front of you and say, defeat them with your competency, and you'll get annihilated. But if you just continually say, bah, bah, here comes the shepherd. And our shepherd may look like a shepherd, but inside his chest cavity is the lion of Judah. And your enemies, look, they don't see feeble shepherd. They see, uh uh-oh. See, spirit realm's different. He's tender with his kids. He's not tender with your enemies. And to see your enemies defeated, you know what you need to do? Trust the shepherd. We don't need to read this psalm when people die. For heaven's sakes, they're with the shepherd. We need to read this psalm over us right now. So I'm going to close this sermon with this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I love that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Anybody need your soul refreshed? He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. You're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So many people are afraid that you can outrun his goodness. His goodness is following you. And when you go astray, he'll come get you. I can prove it. Go to this passage and the other passage, um, 1 Peter 2. 
it actually, re- go to ver- verse 25. It reads differently than what's stated here. For you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned. Actually, in Greek, it's more of he has returned you. He has wooed you. He has pulled you. He has pursued you. His grace has found you. When you go astray, we put so much emphasis on our ability to mess things up. Maybe the shepherd is bigger than your ability to go astray. That really reads, he's got you. So wherever you are today, I'm telling you, the shepherd's what you need. Let's pray. If you're currently not walking in a level of peace that you desire, and you want to be a person that steps into chaos and brings shalom, would you just stand up? I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Would you raise your hand straight to heaven if that's you? Just receive this by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, may the Prince of Peace make his home in your heart. May he truly be your secret place. May you wear the enemy out because you're so peaceful. May you take long naps in the green fields. May other people start to come to you because they just feel peaceful around you. May this not only overtake you, may it overtake your community. I bless you with the shalom of heaven in Jesus' name. What I want us to do is I want to release parents to go get their kids. We're going to worship a little bit together, do some altar ministry. But if you could get your kids and then come back in here.